Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. How are you guys doing? Welcome over to the channel. This episode is sponsored by Atlas VPN. Now, I, I've been asking myself this question. Can the United States do more to end the war inside of Ukraine? It's, 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 it's an honest question. People have also been asking this question, and I guess sending like them more ammunition and heavy artillery might do the trick. You know, it might. I, I don't I don't know. Now I personally believe the sanctions are going yeah, they're going to do something at some point. Not really short term, but more or less long term. They might have an effect on the ability of Russia to grow. I'm sure I'm sure of that. that that's gonna be a thing. Now one worry most people have is how long is the world prepared to actually pay to stand up with Ukraine? Now, we're about to, to experience a sincere, like a real shortage in food, energy, and fertilizer. Not to mention the supply disruptions that will actually be followed with the price increases, which us here in America, we, we've actually been experiencing a bit with certain things, which I know all of you guys around the world are. Uh, but Americans aren't really going to enjoy. They're, they're not going to. With everything else that is going on right now in this country currently, it is an entirely different episode inside of itself. Now, let's be honest. Putin really hasn't had any major side effects when, when it comes to this war. He hasn't really started um, to really feel the pain. And honestly, Russia's energy revenues have actually done nothing but go up. I know, this is crazy. It's crazy, right? Now, his public support inside of Russia itself has actually been skyrocketing here recently, which is thanks to the propaganda in which we show you guys bits and pieces here from time to time on this channel, along with the fear. The fear that's being instilled on the Russians' civilians. Now, they do live in fear to a certain extent. And honestly, I believe I spoke about this a little bit the other day. Now, when it comes to the war, actually making them a bit stronger as a nation. You know what I mean? They're, kind of, they're being united around this war. The Z, the emblem... So something like that. Now, they understand that the world is against them and they have to stick together to fend off the Nazis. Yes, quote unquote, like literally Nazis. There's so much oh, sickening stuff I read about this. But the Nazis that are apparently coming back. Yes, they think they are. And this is a real thing. They really think this. Uh, I couldn't tell you the amount of Russian accounts I sift through on a daily basis that are literally spreading lies that America took Nazis from Germany in World War II. Yes, in World War II, yes, we took some, brought them back here, they, they built stuff and stuff like that. But I'm talking about they physically think that we took these Nazis back from World War II, and this is the rebirth of the Nazi Fourth Reich. I'm not, I'm not even kidding. And I read these things on a daily basis, like, what, what, what is going on? So you're telling me we went and fought the Nazis in World War II, basically fended them off inside of Europe and France, and all that kind of stuff that we did. We all know what happened there. And now you think that we're going to become, we're bringing back Nazis ourselves? Like, what are, we, what are you talking about? Like, I am, I'm so confused. And these accounts have tons and tons and tons of followers, and they get tons of positive interactions, okay? Not like bots, not like Russian bots, they're real physical people. I want to look at some of the accounts. It was really like, it was kind of bothering me that people actually believe this. So to go back to my original question, can the United States do anything or any more that is, uh, to really actually hurt Russia to try and end this conflict sooner than later. I read something earlier today that kind of got me thinking, just a tad bit, you know, and it got me thinking just a little bit. And I agree with some of the stuff that were going on inside this, this article and the statements that were being made. Now, one of them actually being retired Admiral James, I'm going to jack up his name, okay, but he's a retired Admiral James Stavridis. 
Uh, he actually stated this, that the U.S. would and should, excuse me, be prepared to challenge the Russian maritime blockade of Odessa by escorting cargo ships to and from the port. I 100% agree with this, and I've actually read this a few separate times. I've looked into it a little bit. Uh, Turkey being a little bit of an issue is, is, is what they're thinking, but I agree with this statement for a few different reasons. For one, our Navy is much, much, much more powerful than the Russian Navy. And two, the Russia has literally no legal right to block or blockade Ukraine's last major port. Now, to go back to the first region, I mean, let's just be completely honest. Do you guys really think that the Russian Navy would want to tussle with America's naval might? Answer me in the questions down below or comments down below. I'm actually curious. Do you believe that Russia would want to even tussle with them? You know what I mean? Now, the second thing I, I, I really agree with, and I think we should actually do, is seize the estimated $300 billion in Russian central bank assets. Now, you literally could use their own assets to fund the Ukrainian war and the reconstruction of the country that they are currently destroying. Imagine how dumb the Russian government would look if their own funds were being used against them to fight in Ukraine. Okay? You can imagine how that would be actually somewhat really ironic. The biggest thing, honestly, I took away from this was we have talked about this a few separate times, is the fact that China is actually looking to what is going on inside of Ukraine to gauge how the world would react if they invaded Taiwan. If, if Putin is actually successful inside of Ukraine, which there is a possibility this is war, if he's able to secure a chunk of Ukraine, like a fifth of Ukraine, doesn't have to be all of it, you know what I mean? And if he does this by the way of aggression, then China is going to draw the same lesson that that aggression works and will 100% fight over Taiwan. They've actually mentioned this multiple times. Okay, and this will actually take a larger toll on the world trade and economics, 110 like million percent, like no doubt. China is so intertwined with America and all the world trade that this will be much, much more staggering on the economics of the world. Now, China has actually came out today for the first time in support of Russia in the war inside of Ukraine. Now, the Chinese government directly stated that they would support security and sovereignty of the Russian Federation. So just imagine this for one second. If China started to actually support Russia with even more advanced military equipment since they now have came out and said this, that they're openly supporting it. Just imagine that, okay? It'd basically be the most proxy war we've ever seen inside of history, okay? It really would, because now you would have China feeding Russia weapons, more technologically advanced weapons than what they have now, which is very clear. I mean, that's going to be... China is the second most powerful military on planet Earth, hands down. That is a fact, Russia might even be like fourth or fifth now. I really don't even know. doesn't really matter. But they would be getting stuff from China. Ukraine would be getting stuff from us. Now, a lot of people here in America aren't super jacked over the fact that we are giving so much money uh, worth of stuff to Ukraine. Now, there's so many. It's so, so weird. The political stuff here in America, you have rights and lefts. Left want to do it most likely, like, which is kind of crazy to me. Most people on the left side uh, in America aren't really pro-military, pro-police, pro pro-anything like that. But for some reason, they're really pro-Ukraine. It's very strange. Okay, now, which is on the other side is really strange, is here in America, the right side is not like super pro-Ukraine, but they're pro-military and pro-police. I think it's it's very strange. America is one of the weirdest places. The political atmosphere here in America, honestly, I'm glad I've kind of got away from it. I it, it, ugh, It'll make you sick just even trying to understand what some of these people are doing. You know, I, it's just, just, anyway. To throw a little bit more gasoline on the, the, the fire, now, when it comes to the, the Chinese stuff, the, the Chinese leaders actually signed a number of articles today that allows the People's Liberation Army to further the ability to safeguard China national sovereignty, security, and development interest. 
while being able to conduct military operations around the world. Yes, this is real. Okay. Now, I'm, I'm being honest. This is all real. You can look this up. Okay. I, I know a lot of people ask, where do you get your sources? I'm just go to Google and type it in if you don't believe me. This is, this is real stuff. These military operations, by the way, are the same. Described, that is. They're not going to be combat in nature. Uh, they're going to include like peacekeeping, humanitarian missions. But anyway, they're, they're literally described the same. This is coming from Western analysts. They've sifted through these and compared them to language and articles that the recent, the recent Russian special military operation. They're literally the same. Now, when it comes to uh, how they're laid out and what they can actually do, we're talking about the Russian special military operation declaration is the exact same type of verbiage that's inside of the stuff that China just put out today. And this, this should worry some of y'all. I want to be honest with you. It really should. I'm not trying to be like fear-mongering, trying to get you guys all crazy uh, thinking, but you should really think about it. And if you don't believe me, go type it into Google. You can look it up yourself. But before we get too far into today's episode, I would like to say thank you to our sponsor, Atlas. So currently, there are 6 million users worldwide using Atlas VPN. My, myself, I use it. There's journalists on the ground inside of Ukraine that are using it. I, I, don't, I don't want to be found. And I think using Atlas VPN is very important because you can protect all your devices with one Yes, one subscription. They stop ads and malware. This is more than just a normal VPN. It blocks all malicious links, ads, and trackers, and notifies you when someone is trying to steal your data. You guys can get the best deals while shopping online, including subscriptions to Netflix, Spotify, airlines, hotels, and more. I'm telling you guys right now, you guys need to check out Atlas VPN because they're running a huge discount. It means you guys can get a three-year subscription for just $1.99 a month with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Time is running out, so get your deal by clicking the link at the very top of description or you guys can go to get.atlasvpn.com forward slash speak the truth to get it for a dollar 99 a month before this deal expires i use it myself i feel very safe and secure when i'm i'm safe i'm browsing the internet because i go through a ton of crazy websites looking at russian propaganda and stuff like i don't want them to know where i'm at i mean for the most part i'm always in a different country when i'm searching the web on my internet like i I don't want them to know same thing within ukraine they don't want to be pinpointed back to their certain locations because they're pushing out content from ukraine so make sure to go check them out if you want to keep your family secure for literally less than a cup of coffee a month 30-day money-back guarantee go check them out the link at the very top of the description go to get.atlasvpn.com forward slash speak the truth right now to take advantage of this offer thank you so much to atlas vpn for sponsoring this episode all right so we couldn't be making these episodes without atlas vpn so make sure like i said to go check them out i i really do appreciate them because a lot of these episodes aren't sponsored or excuse me that are sponsored a lot of them aren't monetized by youtube so they really really do help take up a lot of the costs that go on behind the scenes now to go on two americans have actually been captured by russian forces here recently they were apparently taken prisoner uh our prisoners uh during a battle that had taken place on the outskirts of kharkiv this past week Alexander Druki, who is 39, and Andy Huin, who is 27, were serving as volunteers with a regular Ukrainian army unit. Now, keep keep that in mind. A regular Ukrainian army unit. Okay? This is very important. You just, just keep note of that. This past week, the Donetsk People Republic, the DPR as we know, sends two British volunteers and a Moroccan uh, to death by firing squad because they were tried as mercenaries. Okay? They were captured down to Mariupol. Now, the capture of these two Americans will actually most likely be used by the Kremlin to use as proof, that is, uh, that the United States is directly involved in the war. I would expect some stuff to come out from Russian state TV over the next 24 to 48 hours. Nothing has came out just yet. And, you know, some of y'all might be asking how this has actually happened. Don't worry, I have this story for you. And I mean, I have literally everything down to detail of what's going on on the ground when this has happened. Now, apparently there was an element 
Okay. Now they were inside of an, a squad size element essentially. And they were fighting, uh, what was told to be town that was actually supposed to be cleared. This town was supposed to be cleared. And it turned out that the Russians were already assaulting this town that was supposed to be cleared. They were, they were roughly five ish miles from the Russian border, just North of Kharkiv, And they were captured. Okay. Now the Russians were coming down the road with T-72 tanks and multiple BMPs. Okay. BMPs carry troops. And about 100 infantrymen, the size of the element that the Americans were actually working with was roughly 10 men, okay, which is nothing more than a squad size element. The only reason for me to believe that they were actually working in a small element like this was the fact that they thought the town was clear or they were just short on men. Now, the town being clear, that thing, I'm going to be honest with you, I wouldn't want to enter any type of area just thinking, it was recently contested, that is, with a small force, unless I had good intel or I was setting up a hide site to overwatch, or possibly implementing an ambush. Those are the only ways that I, only reasons why I would want to do that, okay? Now, they said that they actually fell back and set up defensive positions once they saw the Russians actually moving in. They set up mines on the road for the T-72s. The two Americans actually manned an RPG, uh, which means one man shot, the other man reloaded, essentially, is, is the way I could think about it. And, and, and while everyone waited for the tanks to actually hit the mines, the, the Americans apparently saw a BMP coming in from the direction from the wood line, realized it would actually kill most of the people inside of the squad. It was coming in on their flank. Now, they opened up on the BMP and took it out with one shot, which drew the attention from one of the T-72s inside of the direction, and it fired a shot at the pair of Americans. Okay? Now, this is, I could see, I'm visualizing this, and I actually see this, all this happening very quick. Okay? Everything happens in combat so quick. Two seconds can feel like a minute. 30 seconds can feel like an hour. All right? Now, this is where the story gets a little confusing, but apparently when the tank had shot at the Americans, the round missed them, but apparently the blast may have knocked them out. Okay, I could see that. I mean, these tank rounds, they're pretty big. Now, shortly afterwards, the tank was actually crippled by one of the anti-tank mines that was laid on the road, and the two Americans were apparently, they vanished in the fog of battle. That's what they, that's what they said, they vanished in the fog of battle, where they would have been thought to have been captured by Russian soldiers that had just pushed through the area. Now, after the battle was completely ordered, and over to me, the Ukrainians actually sent a drone up to look for them inside of this area that they were last seen, but there was no sign where them was actually found. Now, they didn't really know what happened. Okay, I mean, stuff happens. I don't really know how they're working over there. Maybe their line of communication was terrible. It's, it's probably not how, it's clearly not going to be how I was, when, like how we fought in Afghanistan or Iraq. You always have a line of communication to everybody, team leaders, so forth. And so, like, it's just, you always have a line of communication to your men. Like, this is the way it goes. Everybody has a radio for the most part. Like, you, there's certain areas, I guess, in Afghanistan, we would have, we would lose comms. Okay. That's, that's crazy. But I don't think that's the way it works over there. Now, later in the evening, it was posted on a Telegram channel that two Americans had actually been taken hostage, which is honestly a good thing that they posted this because it'll reduce the chance of them actually being executed quietly. And the highest level of the Russian military is now aware of them being held hostage. And they're going to use, utilize these men just like the one that they used down in Mariupol. They're going to try to get something out of the Americans. But the thing is, is I don't see Biden caving to giving them anything. Because you got to remember, the Biden administration came out and told Americans, don't go over there and fight. Now they're just going to, I, it's going to be hard for me to believe that they're going to do anything to get these men back. Honestly. Now, the last thing I will say about this is the fact that these men must be treated in accordance with the Geneva Conventions. Uh, because they're actually uniform members of the Ukrainian army. Remember that when I told you guys at the very beginning? They're not mercenaries, or they're not just randomly fighting in Ukraine. They're actually under the Ukrainian army, because they were fighting in the Ukrainian army. So that means they must be treated with the accordance of the Geneva Conventions. Now, I don't know if that's going to be the case. 
I, I don't even know how someone's going to hold Russia accountable for the stuff they were doing. I mean, we talked about they found another mass grave yesterday just outside of Kiev where seven people were pulled out of a one just one grave. Like, like, I don't know. I just want to let you guys know there has been two Americans. These are the first ones have actually been captured inside of Ukraine fighting against the Russians. Uh, 60 Ukrainian troops have actually just graduated well as well from HIMARS training today, and Ukraine will have these systems to fight against Russia within the next few weeks. This is coming directly, by the way, from Mark Milley himself. The real question I have is where are they going to emplace these systems? Like, where are they going to do it? Uh, they're going to be more effective down near Izium, or they're going to be more effective down near Severnodesk. That's that's one question I do have. Or up near Kharkiv. You know, like, I have no idea. This is one tough one for me, really, to guess the capabilities of these things. They're going to be roughly about 50 miles. I mean, they can go out to 190 miles, but we're not going to give them those kind of munitions, I guess you would say, to actually do that. I, I believe what they're getting, they'll be able to touch 50 miles, which is very far. Don't get me wrong. I think right now, that's almost double the distance that Russia can actually shoot accurately. So... They will actually be able to touch Kupiansk, which is the logistical hub of that northern side from Chuihiv. And I believe we're going to see some inside that area because they're going to want to target the main supply routes coming in from Russia. And even crazier, if they were able to get some down near Slovenask, okay? Slovenask, which we all know just outside Severnodesk, in between Izium and Severnodesk, if they're able to get one down there, they would effectively be able to touch all Russian positions. Yes, all Russian positions inside of Severnodesk and Papazna. Okay, with Russians knowing that these things are actually coming, I would assume they're going to step put a little bit of a pep in their step uh, when it comes to getting these things and taking as much ground as, as they possibly can because this is going to be a massive game changer on destroying their ability to actually touch really far into Ukrainian positions with artillery. You know what I mean? It's going to be, it is going to be a massive game changer because now they're going to be effectively be able to touch. I mean, anything between 25 and 50 miles is going to be fair game for the Ukrainian military at this point when it comes to hitting artillery units which we know they are really, really pounding on the Ukrainians as of right now. But Biden has actually announced an additional billion dollars. Yes, a billion. Another billion dollars in security assistance today, which is going to include additional artillery, coastal defense weapons, as well as some more artillery and ammunition because they need it, and advanced rocket systems for the MLRS. So they're getting 18 more. Yes, 18 more 155-millimeter howitzers. 36,000 more rounds for those howitzers, just howitzer ammunition in general. 18 vehicles to actually tow them. Additional ammunition for the HIMARS. They haven't even got the HIMARS, and they're getting additional ammunition for them. Four tactical recovery vehicles, which is basically just to pull stuff out, literally out of the swamps or out of anything. And they're going to get some spare parts and other equipment. So another billion. Now, when they said that, now all these all these people are asking, where's the additional $40 billion we're going to give them? A lot of people, for some reason in America, think that we're just giving them cash or that it's going on the black market and they're just selling, I, I don't know, rockets on the black market. You know, I, I, I've seen a lot of Russian sources that are claiming that a lot of the Carl Gustav rounds or, or artillery rounds or javelins are being sold on the black market. Okay, it could be happening. But I do not believe that. All right, we're going to go over to mapping. Lots of mapping going on. This is a long episode. I hope you guys are enjoying it. So here is the overview of what is going on inside of Ukraine. you got red, Russia, blue, Ukraine. Uh, black is going to be the logistical route. So as you guys can see right here, I have 28.9 miles to Kupiansk. That's just from the outside edges of Chuihiv. So we're looking at about 30-ish, 35 miles to Kupiansk. They literally can hit every single bit of everything on this main route. They can hit this. That's the, that's the railway coming in. They can hit that. You know what I mean? If they're able to hit that in multiple different spots, you know how how long it's going to take the Russians to repair that? They're going to have to figure out different different logistical routes to get in. You know how hard it is to move 
like logistical supply hubs in general, you know how long that takes? You know what I mean? It took them well over a week just to move men from Izium up around to Papazdan to actually make that push. And I remember we called it over here on this channel when they were doing that, and they did. You know, I, I, I think a lot can, like when I'm talking about Slovenask, they can literally touch anywhere, anywhere from Slovenask like this. I'm not even kidding. I really not. They, they literally can touch anything. So there's your overview. I'm going to clean it up just a little bit. I think Slovenask, this area around Slovenask is probably going to be a high, a high probability that's going to happen. So, but we're going to work out of Izium. So I'm going to go over to my closer map of this area. All right. So Izium, which is just right here. There is Izium. All right. So it is now confirmed that the Ukrainian military has actually retreated back towards Slovenas in certain areas, just south of it. and has actually given up the absolutely destroyed town of Dovenki, which has been noted to actually legitimately been destroyed. So this is the area. This thing has been contested for the last like two months, like, like maybe a month and a half. Now, the Russians have actually continued their push east and now captured the town of Boro Design. Not fully, but it's it's almost fully contested. I can show you guys here on the 3D if you guys would like to see it. You know what? I know you do. You can't even answer me, so I don't even know why I asked that. This is, this is not a really, it's not a big deal, but it is a big deal because the Ukrainians are actually losing stuff. Now, I have stated the bridges in this area are destroyed, but the... But the Russians have fully captured this town, essentially, and securing more ground around the outer limits will give it the ability to actually build a pontoon bridge for them to attempt another crossing of men who are on the other side of the river. Okay? Now, that's what I'm talking about. This is the area we're going to look at real quick. Okay? There's where the crossing is taking place. Now, there's a lot of hills in this area. So, we'll go over to the, the old map. I love looking at it. So, I already got it pulled up. So, you guys can see this... This is the river crossing we were talking about. It is blown, okay? This thing is blown. Now, leading into this village, uh, Boro Design, look at all the hills around it. Now, these hills on the southern side are not controlled by the Russians. So now they're going to have to deal with that. It's going to take them a little bit of time because now they're also going to have to cross, once again, farmland. And look at this, woods. Oh, my. That is going to be... That's going to be very difficult. The amount of ambushes the Ukrainians are going to be set up on this main route that leads into Slovenask. It, it, I mean, that's going to be, they're going to set up quite a bit. Now we're going to go back over to the other map. And this is the woods we were just looking at right here. All right. So that's the area I'm talking about, that dark green. Now the Russians haven't made really any good attempts or any great attempts, I guess, at getting very far south on the main route of MO3 leading into Slovenia. But this is the largest piece of land they've actually secured in the last month or so that's been south of Izium. This is the main route I'm talking about. They haven't been able to get very far, that is, through there. Now, you guys just saw the 3D mapping of this. To get from Boho Design into this woodlands, I guess you would say, it's going to be very difficult. They're going to have to go through many draws or hills and valleys, whatever you would like to call them, but they're basically called draws where you got a hill and then you have basically a creek system in the middle creates that little valley. It's going to be very difficult to move heavy equipment up and down and through this. It's going to be, it is very difficult. I can, I can, I can promise you myself. Now we're going to shift over to severe in the desk. Now I'm going to be using a different map because I think it's very important. Let's take a quick little look over here. Zolote, there's been some heavy contested areas down there, but we're going to be focusing on this area for right now. All right, but I'm going to switch over to this map. I don't know if you guys like this map. I think it's better because the fact that it's it's urban fighting that's going on, and I think it's just all around just a better idea because you can see the buildings. So, as of right now, the Russians have actually been able to push the Ukrainian element out of the southeastern side of the city. So, right through here. This has been new area added by the Russians. Okay, Now, the Ukrainians did lose that area. 
But the big thing here is, at the same time, they were pushed out of the western side of the city. So up here, the Ukrainians took back this piece. Okay? Now, that is pretty significant because now you have a full line right here. Okay? I mean, that is it's pretty solid. Now, there's been no change on this middle ground through here. No change whatsoever. All the way through there. Essentially, both sides are just taken and given up about the same amount of territory in the last 24 hours. But the main thing is, the front line has not changed. It's literally gone unchanged. So the Ukrainians are actually holding the ground fairly well. There has been literally nothing but house-to-house -house fighting along the front line with the middle area just being basically no man's land at this point. I do believe there's roughly 500 civilians that are taking shelter at the plant within the city. And I've read a few different things that it seems that Russia would rather actually recapture the city with the plant still intact. And this is the area I'm talking about is roughly in here is where the plant is. Now, with them taking this, uh, they're taking, they're going to have to take a different approach than Mariupol, if that's the case. Now, apparently, this is one of the, uh, the largest in Europe, the largest chemical plants that produces nitrogen fertilizer, organic alcohol, and acids, uh, household chemicals, and polymer products. This is why everybody's taking shelter in there, I guess. I, I don't know. They, they think that Russia will not destroy this because they want this plant intact because it's one of the largest ones in all of Europe. Okay. So there's that. I have changed this over here. I've edited it to where it's, it's all contested. This entire area, I'm going to go back to the other map. Now that you guys have seen the area. This whole area is heavily contested all the way through here, so I just changed it. I think it's very important. Now we're going to slide a little bit south. We're going to be looking at... Uh, just outside of Papazna, which is just right here. As you guys can see, there's Papazna. We're going to be talking about this area. These I've kind of broken down into sectors for you guys. And Papazna is like its own little region now. Now, the Russians are actually able to secure a town. Uh, it's called Katernavika, which has been contested for roughly a month or so. Right here. It's on the southwestern side of Zolote. This is not a good look if you're on the Ukrainian side of things. But this really just means that they're a step closer to fully surrounding the city of Zolote. Now... Now, with that being said, it's very important to now go over and look at the 3D imaging of this area. It'll give you a better understanding of what is actually going on. So now that we're looking at the 3D model, so we're facing north, looking into Liz Chance, which is right over there. So there's going to be a couple different things. You have Zelote, and then you have Hirsky. Okay, I know I'm jacking up the name. I always see a couple of you guys new that are new in the comments. I'm trying. I'm American. You know, I speak American. But Zelote, which is right here. You got Kennedavika. This is the area they just took. Now, look at it from this angle. We are facing west now. We are facing due west. This is Zelote. Look at the high ground. They still maintain the high ground inside of Zelote, which is right here. There's Hirski. They still contain all this. So this is actually what they're looking at. So the, the, the actual town itself is on top of the hill, and they're overlooking nothing more than a bunch of farmland and hedge groves and, and stuff like that. So pretty much that. I'm going to go back over to my other map. just want to give you guys an idea exactly what is going on. Um, you know, as you guys can tell, the layout of the ground, it, it's not as bad as it sounds. The Ukrainians still control the high ground around the area, and the chunk of land the Russians just captured is mostly just farm fields and a bunch of hedgerows that they're going to have to fight through. The same thing they're fighting on the southern side of Papaznos. Now, we know that the Wagner group is actually pushed down through here, and they're going to have to deal with the same thing. They're going to get hit by artillery. They're going to be left open in the open. Same thing that's going to happen here. So, honestly, the assaulting element for the Russians are going to end up moving a bit slower than usual with it being summertime. Got to keep note of that. Summertime. What happened? Everything's very lush. Everything's very green, giving the Ukrainians area to set up ambushes along all the main routes going in. If it was wintertime, there wouldn't be leaves. They'd be expelled out in the open. They'd have to be in the elements of the winter. It'd be very cold. Whether it being summer, there are a lot of nighttime operations, longer days, shorter nights. The open fields are going to be very difficult for the Russians to utilize because their men and equipment would essentially be easily engaged by a chili fire coming in from the high ground in Zelote. 
Now, if they can't take Zelote by the time those Heimars get in, God, I have no idea what's going to happen because the Heimars can reach this easily. So there's that. Now we're going to zoom out just a little bit. We're going to push south over to Kyrgyzstan, southwest that is. So if you guys are new and you don't know anything about Ukraine. So here we go. We were just sitting inside of this area. We're going to zoom out and go this way. We're going to keep going this way. I don't know why I drew that line right there. But this entire line right here hasn't been any change really. Everything's been held. So we're going to switch over to my close-up of the Kyrgyzstan area. Yes, there's a lot going on. The Ukrainian offensive that's been going on inside of the northern portion of Kyrgyzstan seems to be gaining a bit more steam as they liberate more land back from the Russians. It's also very possible that the Russian element that was inside of Shirok Balaka, which is just southwest here. This is the town I am talking about. Uh, there's ongoing fighting in all these circled yellow areas. Very heavy fighting. So it's an entire, I mean, look all the way along this thing. We're talking a very, very large offensive going on inside of the Kyrgyzstan region. Probably the largest, it is the largest entire country. Now, Shiroka Labalaka, which I'm talking about, which is down here, all right, could actually be cut off if it does not retreat back towards Tam Tamiya Balaka, which is just this way. Just, I guess, on this main route, you're heading east on T-1501. I believe a Ukrainian element has actually reached the outskirts of the village, which is just right here. Let me go ahead and clean this up for you guys. They're on the outskirts of this village right here, okay? Now, this is going to put uh, the Russians in a very weird spot. There's currently heavy fighting going on still in the town of Oleksandrovica. So you have an element, a Russian element, that could possibly be kind of cut off from if they do not retreat uh, more east, northeast, back towards Kyrgyzstan itself. This is going to put them in a very, very, very sticky spot here shortly as they cannot push this element back north here very soon. Now, moving just north of here. So we're going to push north, all right? Quite a bit north, actually. We're going to go north of here to Snurivik. The Ukrainians actually pushed the Russians back out of the town of Libyan, okay, which is right here. They pushed them back south, all right? There's heavy fighting going on just on the outskirts of Nova Petrika, which is, of course, just south of the area they pushed them back through Libyan. Now, I'm not going to say that they're making really fast, or they're taking ground really fast from the Russian side of this area. There's another element that's actually been hitting the Russians from the western side of Snerivika, so they actually pushed an element this way. They're really trying to get uh, access to this area right here, Snerivika. This has been one of the heavily, heavily contested areas over the last couple months, and the Russians have controlled it for the most part. Now, moving even farther north, there's an assaulting element that hasn't actually... We haven't heard anything about them. This whole area is still contested really heavily through there. No change. And as we slide, there's no change all the way through here. Now, if we push a little bit east, there's a big change going on over here in Zelota Balaka. You guys see, this is the first time we've seen anything moved out of here since the beginning of this war. And I'm telling you guys right now, this is this 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 is the first time the Ukrainian military has made any type of sort of push inside this area. And we've we've known that the Russians made it up here literally like two and a half months ago. They came right up this 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 whole way. Right, this main route and stop. They met a little bit of resistance right here in this town of Oso Ravika, right there, and they haven't gone any farther past that. So this is the first time we've actually seen an assaulting element try to push south. So I hope you guys did enjoy this video and this episode over here on the channel. Make sure to subscribe if you guys are new. Go check out the sponsor. We link in the very top description. Other than that, I love you guys. I am out.